What are the Raiders known for? Bucking the system. Yep. They already put up a finger to the National Football League in the whole John Gruden situation. And now this is an opportunity for them to get back at the other 31 owners or so they may feel like had some sort of position when all this sort of stuff went down. I think Josh McDaniel is seriously interested in Kaepernick, and I think he can still play and be very effective. Let's go! The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Yeah, that is one of the fascinating things about the stories being written about and around Colin Kaepernick and his workout with the Raiders is, well, I mean, it's the Raiders. I want to address that in a second. Okay. okay? And then we have some more sound bites, opinions. That was Keyshawn Johnson, morning show right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're at Silver Sevens. It's a Thursday. They've got... Great gaming giveaways throughout the week, Tuesdays and Fridays, some of their biggest days. You come down, you sign up for an A-Play card. You play and you get rewarded. Friday gift giveaways coming up in June. If you like to cook, barbecue, they've got a bunch of uh, Jim Beam branded products they're giving away. So next week they start with the Jim Beam Large Grill Cleaning Brush, which, trust me, if you like to barbecue, those cleaning brushes don't last that long. So we could all use a new one. And then from there, they're giving away a wok. God, I would love that. I have a wok. It's yeah. one of the greatest things oh, I've it's ever purchased. Unbelievable. Yeah. Throw everything in the wok. I bought a couple of ramen bowls with the it. big spoons. Man, I'm enjoying that. Ramen bowls don't come with spoons. Like the almost like ladley spoons. And you're right, they came with chopsticks. Too. Okay. Then they have like, so we've got a ramen bowl, a couple of ramen bowls at home too. Does it have the little hole? And then the bowl dips on the top so you can rest the chopsticks on top of the yes, bowl. Yes. There's actually, I got a little a little rest for the table as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think I think the the ladle like spoon would be if. Miso soup? Um, I mean, maybe if you were like doing pho. Yeah. You know, you could put a little piece of steak on there. Oh, yeah. A little hoisin, right? Very high tech. I actually I, I need a, to get to a more advanced level eating soup, and you know I'm a, a soup crazy person. Uh, well, you're a former soup. Uh, are you not? Are you not a former soup chef? Chef strong, <laughs> soup server. Yeah. At a ladle. Um, strong ladle game. Man, that's super uh, hot. No, I was. I was actually a. People laugh at this, but a nice hot soup on the Jersey Shore at Monmouth Park. When it's 92 with 90% humidity, yeah, it it'll, it'll cool you down. It's a little clam good. chowder. We used to have clam chowder a couple, clam couple chowder. days a week. I will say this. So two things. One, uh, while we do have ramen bowls, they've actually just become my cereal bowls. Um, we do have ramen, but like not as often as we should. Uh, the other is, I will say, the art of ladling soup is a lost art. It's a very important thing. People don't do it well. Just really? get all willy-nilly. Sometimes they take like the flat spoon and try to do it. No. Everyone's ladling in a hurry these days. Yeah. Slow down and enjoy the soup. I like, You know what I like to practice my ladling? When I get the little salsas from, like, Roberto's. When I get my two expensive breakfast I, burritos. That is tough. That's one of the things coming out of the pandemic. Nothing against those joints. Thing. Yeah, well, first of all, they've got the very intense germ shield. Right. Um, but I don't know, man. Last couple of times I went, it wasn't looking that appetizing this time around. Yeah, stir it. You do have to stir. Yeah, that's good. Know, it gets a little, that's, gets a little coagulation at the top. You know what I mean? You just got to give it a quick stir. 
good. Now I, I love them, but the thing I won't touch unless it's fresh is like the you know the carrots and the onions and the jalapenos. Like I like that stuff a lot, but when the jalapenos looking at me like this and it's all like kind of wilted and shaky, I'm like. Eh. So we'll build on that Keyshawn deal. I just want people to think when you hear media folks say, well, I mean, it's the Raiders, Al Davis. <laughs> Has anyone really sat down and spoken to Mark Davis? I like MD. Actually, on the phone on my way in. Right. But, I mean, when you watch Mark Davis speak, do you, do you say to yourself, spitting image Al? <laughs> Same thing. Because I don't. So I'll leave it at that because I've got some more sound bites we're going to play later on. I, I just, I don't know, man. I think Al thought a certain way. I don't know that Mark does all the time. Um, so UNLV football and the Raiders, when the schedule first came out for both, they had three weekends they were going to share, right? One in September, one in October, one in November. And that means UNLV scheduled on a Saturday, Raiders scheduled on a Sunday. Well, the Raiders' turnaround time to move in the you know the field tray, um, I don't know what the exact amount of time is. The, the back-to-back times I saw it switched out, man, they get moving like real quick after the UNLV game. But anyway, the, the claim is it's you know whatever, something 18 hours, 24 hours. So it makes it a little bit tough, if you, if you go by the Raiders' word, for UNLV to be playing, say, like, and I believe this one. If UNLV tried to play, you know, 7 o'clock – Saturday night game, and then the Raiders have 1 o'clock the next day. That's a tough turnaround. Um, but what it felt like last year was, you know what, no Saturdays, get out. If you're on Saturday, we're on Sunday, get out. Get out of your stadium. Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I think the Thursday games are good for exposure. Now, they're on awfully late, but I think they're a disaster for a building program that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of depth. It's not maybe. They don't, right? And last year they didn't. Quick turnarounds are the death of a, a thinner football team, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we saw it. Wasn't that Fresno State game on like a, a Friday night last year or something like that? It was a weekday game. Um, and they were a little beat up going into a game and like that. keep in mind, it's a team that went 0-6 in games that were eight points or less. Mm. There were multiple fourth-quarter games where you're like, they got a shot. And then they fell short. Mm-hmm. So schedule officially comes out today for UNLV. One of the Saturday-Sunday UNLV – Raiders weekends remains intact. It'll be the last one. Uh, that's going to be the November 11th game against. Check that. I got it wrong. First week. Okay. There's a uh, the first week. There's a Saturday Sunday s- scheduling conflict. Um, Cardinals in town. Home opener for the Raiders on Sunday. UNLV will play North Texas. It's a noon start on Saturday. Okay. So that's good. And, and through the rest of the schedule, they mostly retain their Saturday spots, which I think they really want to play on Saturdays. Um, they do have a Friday spot against New Mexico at home. That's an 8 o'clock start. They've got a November 11th Friday game against Fresno State, 730. Are Fridays a bad thing? Is, is there an excuse by Las Vegas to not go to college football games on a Friday? I think Thursday's tough. I understand yeah. it. I, again, I don't have kids. You guys chose to do that, so they got to go to school. You know, you got your life is different. I, I don't, I don't have to operate on the clock. But on Friday nights, is that a bad thing versus a Saturday at one o'clock? I would say no. I'd say Fridays are like unless it's like a personal thing where I like to do this on Fridays. But like, no, Fridays are great. 
Go out on a Friday night, watch them play. It's early enough, 7.30 p.m. Watch what you would hope is good and improved football. And, I mean, the second Friday, or excuse me, yeah, the second Friday because the other one's a road game because I know there's a couple. But like a Fresno State, it's a pretty good opponent to have on a Friday night to go and watch. It's a good football program. Yep. Yeah, in total they have three Friday games. The rest are on Saturday, uh, as John mentioned, Friday at San Jose State. And that, those happen to be back-to-back weeks, so you don't even have a short week because that's the other thing. Even a Friday could be a short week. You don't have a short week. The only short week you have, and this isn't easy, you know, it's one day short, is they'll be at San Diego State, so not a big you know travel problem there. They're going to open – um, you know, San Diego State will have whatever five home games under their belt already, but that new right. Snapdragon Stadium. So they'll be down there, and then they got to bounce back on a Friday at home and play for us. And that's tough because the just the nature of the opponent in San Diego State playing a game. They're both like good, that. they're both good teams, and Fresno. You know, they got their old coach back after Kalen DeBoer left, so Tedford's back. So that's a physical football team. Yep. So to play a physical game like that against San Diego State, come back on a shortened week, and then play at Fresno State, not the best situation if you're like handicapping the game. Uh, but still, I would agree with you. And the fact that your other Friday spot is Friday to Friday, as you mentioned, New Mexico, and then on the road against San Jose State. I think you made out somewhat well with this. Coming up, let's talk a little hockey. We'll, uh, whew, we're going on a couple of weeks here now with uh, VGK and the uh, open coaching situation since Pete DeBoer got fired. And we'll uh, talk to a former VGK announcer. We'll try to wrangle up that spot here in just a couple of minutes. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's on a Thursday. Come on down. we got a ton of prizes. Happy hour, 277 on uh, beers, margaritas, and shots. It's at Flamingo and Paradise. Well, I'm not going to say I'm surprised that the uh, Knights are taking their time finding a coach. We wanted to get into the Knights what's happened the last couple of years, and also what's going on in the NHL playoffs. And a guy who was part of the uh, VGK broadcast team for a long time is Brad May. Spent nearly 20 years in the NHL and gives us a couple minutes as uh, he's en route to Canada right now. He's up with Steve Cofield and John Von Tobel. How are you, sir? How you doing, gentlemen? I'm doing great. We're good. What are you doing? You're in Newport Beach? Yeah, I'm down in um, Newport Beach. I'm actually... At the airport, I'm flying up to Calgary for um, not Gordy Howe anymore, of course, the late Gordy Howe, but um, used to be a big foundational um, Alzheimer's hockey charity event. And um, going up there to play a little bit of hockey, but also raise some money and awareness for Alzheimer's. But um, the cool part about going to Calgary right now, tonight's a big game. And, um, you know, getting right into the hockey stuff, the Calgary Flames have taken it on the chin the last three games. Connor McDavid and company have been outstanding. Yeah, I want to break down that game here in a second, but you, you uh, hooked me there for just a split second. You're, <laughs> you're, you're still going to make an effort to play? Really? Oh, my God, guys. I fly out there. But then again, think about it. I'm playing against other 50-year-old, 55-year-old yeah, yeah. Nice. guys that are out of shape. At least I got a little bit of something anyways and a little gas in the tank for sure. Yeah, but you got to admit that's a little different than uh, you know old basketball players going out there getting up on the skates. But I, but I get you know it's so natural for you guys. It's like walking. Like no kidding. Um, I love. I mean, I love playing. I don't play much. I only play in charity events. Um, but every time I put my skates on, I love it. Probably my first love in my life, and um, I got to do it in the NHL for 19 seasons. So um, 
it's it's cool. It's a gift that keeps on giving, guys. But um, there's no there's no doubt. I'm a lot worse than I ever was, and um, I am out of shape. And it should be a fun weekend. So I I'm not I I can skate, but I am not a hockey player. I play I've played pickup basketball. What are what are some like unwritten rules of like a pickup hockey game? <laughs> Well, the first thing for me is it, it, we're there as, as NHLers or former players to, to really give an experience, tell stories in the locker room, you know, answer those types of questions. But um, pass the puck, basically never shoot the puck. It's not about us. It's about the guys that have, you know, raised all their money to participate and you want to give them a great experience. So um, I look to pass first. Um, I don't back check. I, um, there's no... No physicality at all. I mean, even the guys you're playing against on the other team, you know, you want to give them the puck, let them, you know, get a breakaway here or there, and and um, make them feel like they're they're, they're playing, and, and 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 they can go home and tell a story. All right. So on this series, Brad May's with us. On this series, what has happened the last three games? Well, number one, you, Connor McDavid, Evander Kane. <laughs> who's the arch enemy, of course, of Vegas. Evander Kane's been incredible, um, scoring goals at an incredible rate. But Connor McDavid's the best player in the world, and he's been showing that every night in the playoffs here of how good he is. But along with Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman's been really good as well. Um, got picked up last summer from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, Edmonton seems that they have a they have a mojo. But Calgary kind of got away from their game a little bit. Um, I think they they're playing at home. They got to be you know much more physical. But bottom line is, if you take a penalty in the in, in that power play from um, from Edmonton's on the ice, um, it's hard to stop them. So they got to play a real physical but disciplined game for sure, Calgary. But Jacob Markstrom um, has to be better. He's a heck of a goaltender, but he has to be better, and he has, he's got to come up with that big save when the team needs it. What's going on with the scoring in this series? You had two games in which there was eight goals. We had the nine to six final. Like, is this something that these are just the style these two teams play? Like, the, these are some shockingly high scores. Well, I think I think what happens is Cal- Calgary's a, a, a much more physical team than than Edmonton. But so sometimes you get caught running around trying to make trying to do too much, right? You, I think these guys have to play within themselves. Um, obviously, trust you know the other guys on the ice, but they want to make those hits. But if they get a little bit too aggressive, you're either taking a penalty or. Um, or you're out of position. And, of course, most of the scoring has come from those four guys I had just mentioned. Um, you know, so really at the end of the day, if, if they can stop those guys and, you know, to one or two points even, um, they have a chance to win for sure. But I would expect Calgary is going to win tonight. It will be a game six in this series. And um, I'm not going to rule out. I think Connor McDavid's going to do something, you know, outstanding. So, um, you can't bet against the best player in the world, but um, I think Calgary wins tonight. What do you think about uh, what Gerard Glantz Rangers have done so far? Tied series against the Canes and scoreless right now about six minutes in. Absolutely criminal that Las Vegas, or excuse me, the Vegas Golden Knights, got rid of Gerard Gallant. Um, you, you can just see the proofs in the pudding. The players love playing for Gerard. He, he's a guy that actually demands a lot of his players, but he also respects them. Um, I think Gerard Glant is an outstanding coach, and he's got this young Ranger team. They believe, and, um, and they've been playing a real spirited brand of hockey. Um, I still think Calgary, or excuse me, Carolina will win that series. Um, they play so strong at home, and 
the way they play. They haven't won a game on the road, but they've won every game at home. So um, I, I, I'd look to see that Carolina is going to go up in this series. But, um, you know, I'm not going to bet against Gerard Glant either. He, um, he knows how to inspire his players. For you, why do you think VGK management was done with Gallant? Was it simply a disagreement, you know, philosophically, analytics? Um, or was it, hey, you know what, Pete DeBoer's out there. We're going to grab him. He's an upgrade. Well, I, you know what, I, I, I'm not in the head of, of, of management there. Um, I would say that clearly it has to, most likely would be a personality issue, um, conversations that are had. And, you know, um, a lot of times the, that power struggle within organizations um, becomes a distraction and, and decisions are made. But um, I'm a believer in Gerard Gallant. I played against him. I fought him when I was a rookie. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. We had a great time. He was one of the most respected and, and honorable players, and um, he's doing the same as a coach. He's been great everywhere he's been as a coach, and I'm not saying that because Pete DeBoer is really good too. He, I mean, his, his track record is darn good as well, but um, I'm a fan of Gerard Gallant, and um, I'm not going to hide that. So, Brad, I was asking Steve this, and I'm going to ask you. It seems now each of the last two coaches there has been a disconnect between the coach and the front office. So how does this get fixed with another guy being brought in here, whoever it's going to be? Like you gotta you gotta heal that wound somehow because each of the last two guys there seems to be some sort of disconnect between them, the front office, and how things want to be done. Yeah, well, I would say guys, and, and again, I, I was with the organization or, or doing TV there, right, for the first couple seasons, and we all enjoyed the excitement and the atmosphere, and and of course the play of the team. Um, I'm not here to pick on the, the general managers or the management team, but the one thing has been talked about across the National Hockey League, players included, that a lot of players have been, um, you know, unceremoniously let go or traded or, or forced out of Vegas, and and that is a personality issue. That, I, in my opinion, I think you got to handle your players, not and your coaches, but your organization. Um, there are, there are questions about that in Vegas. I mean, we've all heard them. Um, I'm not, I haven't been a fly on the wall, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but um, I think if they hire the right coach with the right philosophy that, that is ingrained with the management, the players in Vegas are going to win again. They, they were just an injured team all year long. They should be in the playoffs, and they should still be playing. Um, they're that good of a team. I think the injuries really hurt them. It hurt you know, the coaching and, and everything else. Um, I, I, I'm a fan of the Golden Knights. I have to imagine they're going to be back in the playoffs next year as well with that group of players. I think Jack Eichel's going to probably in the, be in the running to be a Hart Trophy winner next year. And of course, playing alongside Mark Stone makes a real difference. So um, I give them a, a mulligan on this season because of the, the way that year transpired. But um, I know the fans in Vegas, they expect, they demand, and they, they want to watch their team win. And um, I'd expect that to happen next year. So with a new coach, what do you think is the right philosophy? Well, with well, just looking at Number one, you can have a philosophy. I mean, there's so many different coaching styles, right? But you have to cater it to the players and the personality or the personnel on your team. So, you know, just look at all these players after the summer and movement and who they're going to draft. Um, what is the style you want to play? Well, you've, you've got a lot of money pay, you know, tied up in a few players. Um, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Angelo in the back end. Um, you have to cater to their style of play, which is up-tempo, I think you need a bottom bottom six group of forwards that can, you know, really grind it out and draw penalties because at the end of the day the games are won and lost most most likely on the power play, and if you have these players, Max Pacioretty as well, um, 
and I love Carlson and and and, and Marcia's show. You got a, such a talented group. If they're on the power play more more often than not, um, Vegas is going to win. And then they just need their goaltenders to be healthy. And um, I hope that happens for them. Yeah. What do you think about Leonard? Um, if he can only be a you know a forty five game a season goaltender, is is that the guy who you build around? Kind of kind of Leonard Thompson combo win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I think they can. I, I I was in Buffalo doing TV when Robin was there. I, I really like Robin. Of course, his public his struggles were have been made public um, in his life, and and I, I I really believe in Robin Leonard. But you can't play if you're injured. I, he he battled through that. Um, the uncertainty to that just confidence of your team in front of them. Right, guys start playing a little bit more defensively on their heels. They're now not being offensive and, and reactionary, and all of a sudden it becomes a, a, a negative spiral um, downwards. So I think that's what happened for Vegas. I think Thompson's a real a real key as well. He, he emerged this past season, and we'll see it. There'll be a battle for, for the net next year for sure. But I think Robin Leonard, the thing is, can he, can he stay healthy? That's a question, but um, he's a big guy, and um, I know he's got the personality, certainly the drive to, to be a great goaltender again, and I, I, I'd expect that to happen. Last one. We know you're traveling. We appreciate the time you've given us. Uh, back to the league in general. What's the Stanley Cup matchup you want to see? Well, so uh, all along I thought that the Carolina Hurricanes were going to win the East, and I thought the, um, the Colorado Avalanche <clears throat> were going to win the West. I still think Colorado's in a battle with St. Louis, but they, they, they're such a strong team. Um, I think Colorado wins. Um, I think Colorado would beat Edmonton and Calgary. And um, for me, I think it's Tampa Bay. They've, they've I, I, like I started this saying Carolina, Tampa Bay has, has overperformed in my estimation this, this playoff. And it's unbelievable that that group of guys, how, how do you root? It's like rooting against Tom Brady, you know, whatever. The, the Patriots made the, made the Super Bowl at 10 or 11 of the years that he was there. In, in New England. So um, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, you can't count them out. I think Colorado wins the Stanley Cup, though. Brad, thank you so much, man. Like I said, you're traveling. We appreciate your time. Hey, guys, you're, you're awesome. I really appreciate what you guys do, and um, I can't wait to get back to Vegas. Love that place. We'll see you. Grab a Take care, bar. guys. Thank you. Thanks. There he is. Longtime NHL vet. Brad May was part of the VGK TV broadcast, and uh, – I think he laid it out pretty nicely. He's been pretty respectful. It's a legit question on what's happening to these two coaches and mm-hmm. other coaches looking in. And he's the one who said, hey, they've had players who have been unceremoniously dumped. That goes around the league. And with some of these coaches, you know, you had back-to-back, hey, we got some sort of philosophical difference. Who's the veteran coach who goes, you know what, I want that? Because the team is attractive. The market is attractive. Uh-oh. But if you go in and you're like, you know, we're gonna, what are we going to do, fight and battle the whole freaking time, and then I'm going to get blown out in two years, like – this, this has got to be smoothed over. Uh, I was going to say, like, the, it, the roster and the gig itself is attractive enough that you're going to get, you know, I wouldn't say your pick of the litter, but you're going to get some pretty good candidates you're going to be able to select from. But at some point, when you have the disconnect between two different guys, one of them which, you know, you ousted and to bring in the other, um, you've got to, I do think, do some self-reflection as to how these that last two relationships is soured and how you're going to improve on that because you have a pretty thing, good thing going here. You have a team that can be competitive but to ruin it from the inside because of relationships and the way you handle those relationships, that'd be pretty bad. All right. This could be another case where I listen to an expert on our show, 
Oh, did you go and bet like I did, Connor McDavid over on goals and bet the Calgary Flame? Well, I mean, Stanley Cup winner. I was hoping to get the Lightning at a better number. I mean, they're the favorite, aren't they? Second choice. Okay. They're 260. I know I need it. Thank you, Francesa. I'm gonna shop, I'm gonna shop the number, but I'm I'm taking the lightning soon. This is actually a real Francesa moment. He would. It was. See, he I needed I needed a second. That's exactly where I got that clip from. He was staring at his cell phone, trying to decide something, and he made that noise. <laughs> I think he was looking something up. Yeah. But I mean, it was like it was like a thirty second lookup. It was like I was Eagles... pa- I was pausing for four. So it's good timing. Yeah. It was like the Eagles roster or something like that. Wouldn't it be great if we could get the Commodore sixty four that just that fires the stuff to do it with any sort of long pause? Like that one right there? Mm. Would that be too soon? How long a pause would we need? Like a minimum five-second pause, and then the humming comes in? But It's got to be a pause, but it's also got to be a pause that you know that the person is searching for something, doing something. Well, I was searching the whole time you were speaking. I had it in front of me. I mentioned 260, and then I was like, I don't know, you know, $5,000 at 260. I don't know if I want to bet that. Wow. Just tell everybody what you're wagering. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And listen, if you can't say anything real nice, it's better... Not to talk at all, that's my advice. We're parting, you go your We got Brad Powers coming up in about 10 minutes. Gambling Insider, we'll talk to him about what happened at the PGA. Also, more look-aheads in college football and, of course, the NBA. John Von Tobel, Cofield, just past the halfway point of the show. A lot more on Colin Kaepernick and the workout with the Raiders. Uh, initial comments from Josh McDaniels on his new gig and this roster that he's becoming familiar with. So that's all coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, you know, I saw this headline. I blew by it, but uh, you decided to grab it. <laughs> and the Fat Pack is not only about food. It's about lifestyle. It's about okay. our our fitness level. It's about relationships. We often reference uh, John does his kids, the various SOs on the show. Although there are some people on the show who I don't really, I don't know much about their relationship because they won't give anything out. Can I can I give you a real quick story? Okay. So. By the way, I made a face because I, I wasn't privy to anybody having an SO other than you or me. I know, isn't that, I, I think there are, but I don't know because I think they keep it secret because they don't want it on the air because mm-hmm. they know what happens when it comes on the air. Because they're celebrities. Um, maybe. So. One of the shows I love, and people I don't people always react oddly to it, and we talked about this a lot on our late night podcast when we were doing it, is Love on the Spectrum. It is a fabulous show. Isabel loves it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know what? It, your, your wife and I, um, with my SO, we need to sit down because maybe we're, we're the... Uh, you know what? Actually, Adam Hill loves it, but Adam Hill hasn't watched season two. So it was based in Australia. It's based on autistic uh, young adults, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to find love, right? It's... I'm t- I, I've seen a couple it, episodes. I never pitch it well, but I, when you start to watch it, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's heartwarming. So they do, they're do. they doing a U.S. version, and one of the women they're featuring is probably like 24 years old. Her name is Danny, right? And 
this is not to mock on any of the people, right? We, we watch, I know Adam Hill and I watch the show, and we're like, you can see, you know, some characteristics of people who are on the spectrum, uh, Asperger's, like in, you know, what we would call, I guess we consider, you know, fully functioning people, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say there's anything wrong with these autistic folks. So I texted Adam and I was like, hey, the SO said you, you and Danny would be perfect for each other, right? She just had some, some different things that were interesting that, you know, would match Adam Hill. And he hasn't watched the show yet. And I didn't know that. And he's like, wait, have you met her? What? And I didn't, I didn't follow up. Right. So I guess it turns out. I talked to him a week later. He's like, uh, yeah, I started to see someone. Adam? I'm hanging around someone named Danny. How uh. random How random is that? That's really weird. Yeah. And then he went and asked her. He's like, have you met Steve? Yeah. She's like, who? That's huh. a weird one. Got some digging to do. Well, Damn, don't. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Try it. <laughs> we try all the time on the show. I'll put Isabel on. Yeah, She'll find you, it. You saw how, well, you weren't here that day. He, he he turned like the whitest you could turn when I got some intel that at the uh, the big Christmas fest at LV Ballpark. Yeah. Right? What was that called again? Whatever. I, I can't remember. Um, But they had a big Christmas set up, and someone told me, he's like, yeah, you know, Big fella was there, nice lady he was with, a couple kids. I'm like, oh, is that right? Ooh. Is that right? I bring it up in the air, and he's like, Phew. I, uh, I, he, he, that guy, he does, he is the most private dude ever. I, I met a, uh, and actually, uh, what do you call him, Dangerous Dan? Dan did too. Um, met a, a former, I don't know what you would, what the term would be, uh, of Adam, so at a PT's, a couple, a few years back. Really? Yeah, one of those bartenders that watched you eat the whole pizza, the one that would bring me a bunch <laughs> of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the most memorable. Watch you eat the whole pizza. I bet him like I bet him like five bucks. He couldn't eat a whole PT's pizza. Okay, he did. So he got five bucks. Impressive. Yeah, impressive. Yeah, five five bucks. It's good pizza. Um, all right. So the story you sent over. What's going on here? It's the greatest headline I've ever seen. So have you ever seen the meme? You ever seen the meme of the news report? And it's it's a quote. And it said the quote is, "What are you going to do? Stab me?" And it's attributed to man who was stabbed. Right. So it's a brilliant meme. It's fantastic. Headline, how to murder your husband author guilty of husband, slaying husband. A woman who wrote an essay on how to get away with murdering her husband up in Oregon murdered her husband and was found guilty by a jury of her peers. You, like, you can't be that stupid. Her husband, now this is not to laugh because the loss of life is terrible. Obviously. Jesus. But to pen an essay, it's like, right, it's like the, if I did it, right, the book. To pen an essay of, this is how I would murder my husband, then murder your husband and not get away with it? First off, your advice must have been terrible. <laughs> it must have been one of the worst essays. Pretty, pretty, pretty crappy. <laughs> right. Like, whoever, whoever read that and was thinking about doing it, that made me have some second thoughts because clearly that advice is not going to work. I mean, what? and then what's your defense when you go to trial? Right. You know, your defense attorney's like, there was no way this could ever happen, not even a thought. Wait, here's an essay. Oh, crap. No, I don't know for sure because it doesn't say in the article if she followed exactly what her steps were in terms of how to get away with the murder. But could you imagine if she followed them to a T? <laughs> and you're reading through this. Like, this is pretty obvious. But they do have her on footage visiting the crime scene like a bunch of times. Like She just But I just find the irony incredible. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Queen, get the money. Y'all 
Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, I think we've all calmed down from last week with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and all that, so we can move past that. Although I did say that little puke Justin Thomas, the golfer, talking trash at Jimbo Fisher, saying he's never won anything. Like, Justin, relax. Two PJJ. You've only got two majors. Like, all right. Took Jim, Jimbo's got a national title. Yeah. Brad Powers with us. BradPowerSports.com. At BradPower7 up on Twitter. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well. Like, it's it's not cool of uh, a golfer to say that Texas A&M has won nothing, especially when didn't Texas A&M beat Alabama last year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's a pretty big feather in their cap, at least right, right now. I mean, won a recruiting championship, too. I mean, best recruiting class arguably ever. I mean, that's something. I mean, we'll see if it translates on the field, but it's something. And I know it wasn't at Texas A&M, but uh, Jimbo did win a national championship. So, I mean, that's that's not pretty too good. shabby. It's pretty good. Uh, Brad, with yep. with Saban's complaints, I, I would assume that when we're looking at all these numbers for games throughout the season that are up on the board, the gap is closing, and Alabama is probably an underdog in a lot of these games, right? <laughs> Yeah, quite uh, contrary. Uh, Alabama, significant favorite in every game. Uh, Double-digit favorite in every game. Uh, probably going to be a two-touchdown-plus favorite in every game, including that A&M game where a couple of sports books have posted some early numbers, 14-and-a-half, 16. That might be their, you know, one of their shortest spreads. The other one at Texas Week 2 where they're right around a 15-point favorite. So, uh, And here's the thing. I'm not afraid to make a bunch of bets. I mean, I'm almost at 100 already. And I haven't faded Alabama in any of those games. That They pretty much line up with my power ratings have it. So Alabama, no question, even with Nick Saban complaining, still by far the best team in the country. Still got nothing on Steve, who just bet $5,000 on the Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. So, well, might not have been $5,000. It might be 5,000 units, but for me, those are, are you know, that's not exactly a true <laughs> unit. So uh, my thing lately is I've just, these guys, uh, they're such experts on the show that I take their advice, you know, uh, and live wager uh, or just make bets. You know, it's just, it hasn't worked out, I'll tell you that. It's been a, it's been a flop. Um, Brad updated up on his Twitter account again, at BradPower7, some of the week zero, week one college football numbers. And, and in a lot of cases, folks, college football is under 100 days away. And I thought this was pretty interesting in a couple of games you mentioned about how good certain programs are and how bad others are perceived to be. So – Alabama got bet up to minus 37 against Utah State. Utah State is also hosting Connecticut. That number got bet down, but Utah State is laying 27 against UConn. My Lord. What would, what would that mean if Alabama played UConn? Do we just straight up add uh, and get to 64 and a half? Like how, how big would the number be if Alabama played UConn? Well, you obviously got to factor some home and away uh, there, but uh... – and, I mean, obviously Alabama's not going to play their starters uh, <laughs> the whole game. But, I mean, if we're just talking pure power rating, neutral field, right now I'd say Alabama 56 over Connecticut. Okay. Here's my favorite question, though. Okay. Brad, right. what would you make the total on that game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are great. Uh, 63, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, again, this <laughs> might be deep divey for the audience, but I – did see some comments on UConn football last week that I thought were kind of funny. 
Um, Jim Moore Jr. has taken over the program. So, you know, they're, they're feeling better about themselves. And they've done a good job of collecting Power 5 transfers. I just want to point out to people that not all Power 5 transfers are created equal. And oftentimes they go to Group of 5 and they can't play there either. So, um, and listen, we'll see how it works out with UNLV. I think they're up to eight Power 5 transfers. I think most of them are going to have a chance to play. But it doesn't mean all these guys who are going to UConn, you know, who are dropping down a level are going like, to be instant stars, like to the point where they're impact guys. Agree. Uh, obviously, case-by-case basis. And for a program like UConn, it still might be significantly better than what they've had. So uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not huge on UConn this year, but I think there's certainly a chance for them to be improved. I mean, they, they're returning a lot of guys to begin with, add uh, some, like you mentioned, some power five experience. I do think they can be a little bit more competitive, uh, but I don't see a guy like, uh, let's use UNLV as an example, I don't see like a, a Ricky White at a wide receiver or something like that, at least as far as what you've got adding. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, UNLV has a chance to have you know major impact at quarterback and at wide receiver, and Ricky White, I think, oh, yeah. has moved, basically moved right to the, the one or two receiver slot. Um, Oklahoma win total, I'm seeing eight and a half. Uh, we'll blend that with the fact that UTEP is scheduled to play Oklahoma. They were getting 40. Why all the action against Oklahoma? Well, for starters, it's a bad number. Uh, UTEP's also taken some action in their Week 0 game. Uh, they probably were blending a little too much of past seasons on UTEP. They actually were pretty good and legitimately good. Nothing phony about last year's team that made a bowl game. They returned a bunch of guys there. So, I mean, UTEP, for, for starters, being a little bit uh, undervalued in the market, not only the Oklahoma game, but also the Week Zero game. On top of it, uh, you know, you say eight and a half. I mean, I would bet over eight and a half. I think that's one of the lower numbers. And I think you bring up, a, you know, this kind of brings up a good point. Folks, if you're betting season win totals, shop. Because I've seen some places have Oklahoma as high as nine and a half. And, and I could tell you almost every single season win total school that's available right now you can find at least a half win to your advantage, whatever you want to make a bet. And in a lot of cases, you can find a full win. So make sure you're shopping. And better price, too, if you're looking at some of those numbers as well. Uh, so, Brad, I got to talk to you earlier on uh, VEASAN, and I want to ask the same question because I thought it was an awesome answer. Um, the When you're looking around at the overvalued teams this year, I know there was the one in the Pac-12 that you played under their win total, uh, but you had a really good observation about not only could USC be the most overvalued, but also most improved? Yeah, so, I mean, I've upgraded USC almost 10 points in my power rank. It's early. i got to see how everything in the uh, pieces fit in you know during fall camp and whatnot what other you know stuff that I, I they're not done the transfer portal as far as i'm concerned so i mean there's an opportunity for them to even get higher in my borrowings but even plugging that in uh i i still am fading sc and the comment that i made here several times is i think they could be the most improved team in the country and yet still be the most overrated because right now uh not only in futures markets game of the year markets season win total I mean, they're being priced like a clear-cut top-10 team, borderline top-5 team, and I do not see it. And I made the comment on that other program that, you know, maybe maybe if it's a flag football game or a 7-on-7 team, uh, I, I could see it from the Trojans. But at the line of scrimmage, particularly on the defense side of the ball, their front just and from a depth aspect and a lot of positions just isn't there. So I'm under 9.5 USC. 
bradpowersports.com where you can get all this information and Brad's yeah, he puts his money where his mouth is like he's already said he's uh he's made like 100 bets already cuz he's willing to lay out the money for value. I saw you tweet out a bunch of the Nebraska lines. I know they lost a lot of close games last year and I know they're trying a you know a new mix at quarterback with uh Martinez off to Kansas State. I looked at some of the the numbers and this is now about a week ago against other Big 10 powers like in their division like Wisconsin and Iowa and I, I don't know man am I wrong they just it seemed like Nebraska was getting too much respect. Like, how good is Nebraska going to be? Well, I mean, obviously this will be Scott Frost's best team. I mean, they're being priced that way. I mean, I've seen one sports book you know, have their season win total as high as eight. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, they <laughs> and look, I think they're improved. I'm not fading Nebraska in a lot of these game of the year markets or even in week one. I think a lot of people are surprised that they're a double-digit favorite over Northwestern. That's one bet I didn't make. So, But with that being in mind, do I trust, like, if it's a close game, and right now I have six of their 12 games lined at a touchdown or less, do I trust Scott Frost and Nebraska in a close game to make the right decisions? I know everything's supposed to come back to 50-50 because, you know, it's a coin flip type game. But, I mean, we're going on four or five years of them consistently losing close games, dumb penalties, special teams miscues. I don't see it. So, yeah, I would not only under eight, but under seven and a half, I would fade Nebraska in those markets. And I think it's a six and six, seven and five type of team. So, we've been talking college football every week basically since the end of last season and started looking ahead weeks ago to this coming season. So, I'm sure there's folks who are like, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to go way ahead now. You ready for this one? Does it matter to you when you're handicapping when the Las Vegas Bowl is played? Because last year, it was Christmas week, and the end of Christmas week on the 30th of December. They announced today they're actually moving it before Christmas. It's actually going to be SEC and Pac-12. It's now on December 17th. Does that matter? Without knowing the matchups, is it going to matter from a gambling standpoint? No, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I could see travel. Maybe it might be an issue or, or something, but no, it, it it doesn't impact as far as I'm concerned. But I will say this. When everyone roll their eyes at talking college football this early, I mean, week zero and week one's out at almost every single book. And i got to tell you, that market's getting shaped up quick, fast, in a heartbeat. And if you're wanting to bet college football, you know, the opening week, you're going to wait around until August or, the, you know, game week, I'm here to tell you, you're not going to find much value if you're waiting that long. So, I mean, that, that's why we're talking about it now because, the, the time, the opportunity to find some value is right now. Brad, great spot, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Brad Powers. He's good, isn't he? No, he's and, terrible, and Steve. I, I, I love college football. I love that there's so many places putting out games this early. It's awesome. Win totals are out. You can get pretty much every school's win totals. And as Brad has pointed out, it is so topsy-turvy in college football because of the transfer portal. There's so much movement. Most coaching staffs got blown to bits, you know, in some form or fashion. Hell, he was he put out a tweet the other day. There's like nine teams that returned their entire offensive line. Beyond that, it's Armageddon on the offensive lines. We'll come back. Big Five here at Silver Sevens.